All right, now let's go on with the message for the morning. All right, so this is we're in our generous giving series, and we, this is part four. Last week we talked, we told, we explained, and we found out that some of us were stingy, and that's why God can't bless us. All right? We just took took a throat shot and, and worked that thing, and we figured out that with the, on the stingy end of it, the stinginess was not. The root of the stingy was fear. Remember we learned that? The root of the stingy was fear. It was that we felt like if we give this up, then God may not give us anymore. Right? So we learned that. We learned that, that we, we ain't stingy just because we stingy. We stingy because we scared a lot of times. I ain't gonna give this up because I don't, I don't know if God's going to, to give me no more. Right? So we continue down this road to our next Sunday, which is our, uh, Generous Giving Sunday, and uh, we continue to talk about giving and sowing. And I, I, again, I thank God for the opportunity to share this. A lot of things that He shared, uh, shown me over the years, I took for granted that you guys got this or that you knew this, because we got it and we knew it. It was common to us. A lot of us have been serving God for a long time, but to you guys, it's not so common. It's not something that a lot of you get. So. Uh, I want to start off with this. We know that the scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? That's what the Bible says. The love of money is the root of all evil. This scripture has been misquoted uh, by several people that says money is the root of all evil. Well, money by itself, I can stick, you know, a uh, hundred dollar bill on that, on this uh, prayer bench right here. I can stick on the altar right there. And stick a hundred dollar bill right there, and if nobody don't touch it, that hundred dollar bill ain't gonna do nothing to nobody. Yeah. It's just gonna sit there. Same way this envelope full of prayers is here, and these books, I don't know, I don't know what's in that little book right there, but that book been here since I got here. Five years or so. Is it? Okay. Five years or so. Little book been there, these little, uh, little things here that hold the handkerchiefs, they've been there for a long time. Right? It's just gonna sit there. And so, the problem will come in with that hundred dollar bill is people keep looking at it. So when you keep looking at it, then your mind takes you different places. And people, other people go different. Some people are like hundred dollar bill. That's strange that it's sitting there. Some other person might say, "Woo, I sure could buy me some shoes with that." <laughs> right? And so then your mind—it's—it's—it's it's, it's us who make it what it's going to be. Amen. So the love of money is the root of all evil. So if we say that again, remember we talked about it, I've commonly uh, did this exercise with y'all when we talk about the reciprocal of things. Reciprocal of one over three is what? What is it? Three over one. So the reciprocal of one over three is three over one. We learned that in math class, third or fifth grade. I know it was a long time ago, and we forgot that stuff because we don't use it every day. But when we look at reciprocals in situations, so if the love of money is the root of all evil, then it stands to reason that generosity is the pathway to righteousness. Come on. Right? At least the pathway. If the love of money is the root of all evil, then it stands to reason that generosity is at minimum the pathway to righteousness. Well, Pastor, I thought that Jesus Christ uh, is our righteousness. Well, he is, and the two go together, because the Bible says that for God so loved the world that Jesus was generous with his own life. He didn't, he didn't withhold his own life. He gave up his own life for us, right? So if the love of money is the root of all evil, then the pathway to righteousness is generosity. 
right? What does it do? Because we, we also learned that we can, uh, the, there's a GPS tracker on your heart that goes through your wallet. We learned that in the very first uh, part of the series. So I can look at your wallet and, I, and the Bible says where a man's heart is, there is treasure is also. I can look at your wallet and see what you buy, where you go, where you spend your money, and I can tell where your heart is. What, what, what you're into, what you're, what's important to you by where you spend your money. And we talked about a person can say, well, how much they love God, I love God, and he's my all in all, he's this and he's that. But if you, you don't give, you don't tithe, you're not there yet. Right? It's not about, uh, it's not about the money, it's not about the tithing, but the Bible says that where your heart is, your treasure is also. Money is the ultimate test of your allegiance to God. If you're not willing to give your money in obedience to God, you're not there yet. There's a reason why he instituted it. He could have made, he could have took care of us any kind of way. But he said, look, I want you to be willing to give to me what you work hard for. That's the ultimate test. The ultimate sign. Right? And again, God is not uh, uh, in a situation where he, listen, God don't even need your money. But he understands that you need to break something off of your life by giving your money. So he said, I'm going to put a system in place. You bring the tents and, uh, and you bring offerings and you give to people when they need it. And you give to the poor at times and you do, you just be generous, right? And your heart going to be in the right place. Right? Well, let's keep going. Uh, I want you to turn with me right now to Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. And Pastor Ben went to it a little bit. Uh, this morning, but uh, talking about Melchizedek, we'll look at a, 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 just a small part about who Melchizedek was. And the Bible says that Jesus himself was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And you look at Melchizedek, I think it's in the book of Hebrews, where it says that it, don't, it does not give his lineage. It don't talk about where he came from or who, who showed up after him. Right? It doesn't give his lineage. And his name even, uh, uh, Melchizedek, two parts of it, Meli means king, and Zedek means righteousness. So king of righteousness is his name. And where is he king over? He's king over Salem, and Salem means peace. Well, who, who else do we know? Well. <laughs> who else do we know with these characteristics? Right? So, so don't believe this was Jesus, but this was an example of Jesus, right? So let's read and see what happened here. It says, and the king of Sodom went to meet him, talking about Abraham, as the return of the slaughter of Kedlarimar, and the kings that were with him in the valley of Shiva, or Shavay, which the king's, uh, Dale, which the king's Dale, and Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, king of Salem, uh, which means peace. He brought forth bread and wine. Now, what's the significance of bread and wine? We understand you start talking about bread and wine, we do it once a month. Yeah. Right? As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So it's covenant. This is covenant situation. When you bring forth the bread and wine, bread and wine, this is covenant. This is an agreement. This is, this, we entered into a contract. We entered into a partnership. He brought forth the bread and wine and uh, he was the priest of the most high God and he, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth 
And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. So Abram, again, we see this situation where this type of Christ is here, and when this exchange that takes place between God's servant and this type of Christ. Well, what happened? The type of Christ pronounced the blessing on the servant of God in exchange the servant of God brought forth the tithes of all. There was an exchange, a covenant exchange that took place. The release of the tithe and the pronouncement of the blessing. Amen. Release of the tithe and the pronouncement of the blessing. Let me tell you what the devil does. The devil, the devil is a dirty joker. You ever been at school and you see somebody who uh, will go, he, he says his friends will both be all. But he'll come to you and talk bad about the other person and then go to the other person and talk bad about you. And before you know it, the two of y'all like stirred up and y'all want to fight each other. And they just stand back. Now that's, that's just pure evil right there. That's the way the devil works. The devil will show up. God's trying to establish something and the devil tries to pick away or to discredit what God's trying to do. So that's why there's always been so many fights about money in church. Because one side will go extreme one way and, and, and take what God said and twist it the wrong way, and the other side will take it extreme the other way. So extreme broke, extreme selfishness. But we're just looking for what God really wants. Right? We're looking for what God really wants. And the truth of the matter is, is that the tithe is a real situation to God. The tenth, the portion, the, the, the sacred thing. All of these things are, this is a real situation with God. Now, you have to have a system where of, there must be systems of rewards and, 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 and discipline. So reward if you get to do the right thing, discipline if you do the wrong thing. There has to be. Yes. Or else ain't nobody gonna act right. That's right. If I can get the, if I can get the candy for not doing what, for not cleaning my room, I ain't never cleaning my room. <laughs> is that right or wrong? You, you tell me I can listen. It don't matter. I'm not going to clean my room. You tell me that I can keep the job, even though I show up an hour late, and I come in there and don't want to do nothing and talk crazy to the boss, I'm still going to get my check and keep the job? Ain't nobody going to do nothing. But if I say, look here, I'm fixing to pull a Donald Trump apprentice on you, you, ma'am, are fired. <laughs> That makes you act right. There has to be rewards and there has to be discipline. So when, when God says, you can't start talking about, well, God's nice and he just ain't gonna, he ain't gonna, he ain't gonna do that. And so if he's nice and he ain't gonna do that, what makes you think that, you know, because he's nice and you do the right thing, he gonna give you that? So he ain't gonna correct me. How, how, if he's not gonna correct you, then how you know he gonna bless you? You just don't know what he's gonna do. Now God's God's full of grace, and it takes a long time of messing up before God just like, you know what, I'm gonna let you have that. It takes a long time. It ain't gonna be just you, you don't mess up one time and then God's gonna be like, now nah, you got to do a whole bunch of messing up. You talking about three strikes. I don't know how many you get with God, but after a while, let me tell you something. I'm gonna let you have that. You don't wanna be blessed, you wanna do it your way. 
Do your thing. There has to be that. So again, in this case with the tithe, when we read in Malachi, he says, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Right? Another instruction. He said, I'm going to open up the window of heaven. I'm going to pour you out a blessing that you have room enough. You don't have room enough to receive. Well, it says here that at Melchizedek, he blessed Abraham. As Pastor Ben spoke about this morning, we were going over in the men's meeting. The, when the, uh, the meaning of blessing means empowerment to succeed. I empower you to prosper. Anything that you can consider a blessing is going to cause you to be able to go a little further than you were able to go without that. Such and such, bless me with a car. That means I can go further than I would walking. They bless me with a new dress. That means I'm going to feel a little better about myself wearing this dress than than I would even with everything else I had in my closet. You bless me with a hundred bucks. That's empowered me to do a little more on what I have to spend than I would have been able to do before. So, so understand that from, from God talking about there is a blessing, but then there is the blessing of God. Come on. So when the Bible uses words like the hand of God was on his life, that means the blessing of God was on their life. That means that you got, if God be for you, then who can be against you? You got God behind you, empowering you to succeed, pushing you to success. Everything heaven got is behind, rallied behind you. Making sure that you can get where God wants you to go. Now understand something, that don't mean that you're not going to face obstacles, you're not going to face hard times. Because we understand that, that Daniel put himself to 21 days of fasting, and the angel showed up over there almost out of breath. We've been trying to get here, bro. But that old prince of Persia tried to shut us down. But as soon as he says, listen, as soon as you started praying, we was on the way. Amen. That means God gives immediate response to your request and your prayer. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. But that old dirty devil got you in your head thinking God don't care about you. When it ain't God trying to slow down the blessing, it's the devil trying to shut down your stuff. Let's keep going. We got a long way to go. We could labor this point about the blessing, but I want you to I want you to get that. The concept of blessing, the empowerment. Somebody say this with me. Say, the blessing, the blessing. is the empowerment, the empowerment. To, succeed. to succeed. One more time. The blessing, the blessing. is the empowerment, the empowerment. to succeed. Okay, now we're going to look at some examples of this situation. Solomon gave a thousand burnt offerings, some gigantic offerings, and God showed up and empowered him to succeed. We understand that? Everybody familiar with that? That, that I think it's in, it was in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles. Don't, don't got a scripture right now. But Solomon gave this humongous, I think it's 1 Chronicles 7, somewhere in there. He gave this humongous offering. And God showed up, and what did God tell Solomon? When God, when Solomon asked for the wisdom, he said, I'm going to make you wiser than anybody else, and I'm going to make you more prosperous than anybody else. If that ain't empowerment to succeed, you tell me what is. And when did the empowerment, when did the blessing come in this case? After the offering was given. After Solomon said, here is my heart, God. I show you my heart. Remember what he said? Where your man's treasure is, his heart will be also. I show you my heart through my offering. 
And the Bible says that God showed up and empowered him to succeed by giving him wisdom and by giving him finances. The widow woman in Zarephath, where it said that Elijah has showed up over there, God said, go to Zarephath, there's a widow woman that's going to sustain you. He said, I want you to go over there. After the widow woman's offering, sacrificial offering, then came the empowerment to succeed. What happened? After she gave him the bread and I'll make the cake first, then God, if God gave her and put her in business, that thing multiplied, but it came after the offering. This is, listen, this is God's principle. The centurion man who got his servant healed, what did the scripture say about him? It was noted that he gave offerings to the temple. There's a certain man, centurion man, he gives offerings to the temple. The empowerment to succeed again came after a gift was given. Let's keep going. We're talking about giving and connecting to the blessing. One of the things that we heard people say over and over and over that it's more blessed to give than to receive. When I was a kid, I'd hear people say that. I'm like, oh, that don't sound right to me. <laughs> this Christmas, I like it. Toys and gifts. I like getting gifts. I can't see how this flipped over. Me just start giving my stuff away. Don't feel as good as this. I like getting stuff. Oh, give me some more stuff. Give me some more stuff. But the scripture says here, Acts 20, verse 35, it says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you might ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. What is one of the key, what is the key word in there? Or a couple of the key words, but the main word that we're talking about right now, he said it's more what? It's more empowering for your success for you to give than it is for you to receive. It's more empowering for you, for you to give. Because what? When you receive, it can be over. But when you give, it's not over. Because it has to come back. When you give, it's not over. It has to come back. It's more empowering for you to give than it. That, that's not meaning that you shouldn't receive. He's just telling you what a power is. The power is in the giving. Receiving, it's over with. I got it. I give me. You got me ice cream. Praise the Lord. I ate it. But when you give somebody a couple of licks off the ice cream, I don't mean you can't have the ice cream, but you give a person a couple of licks. Now I don't know about eating my ice cream, but y'all get the point. The empowerment is in the giving, not in the receiving. The receiving as is a result of the empowerment that came from the giving. Let's keep going. It's more blessed, more blessed, more empowering for success to give than it is to receive. Proverbs 10, 15 says the rich man's wealth is his strong city. Hmm. The rich man's wealth it's a strong city. In his mind, man, I'm, I'm blessed. The rich man's wealth is, is his strong city. First um, Timothy six seventeen through nineteen. Let's read that. It says, "Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God." Let's read it again. First Timothy six seventeen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God, 
who giveth us all things richly to enjoy, that they do good and be rich in good works, ready to distribute and willing to communicate. Ready to distribute and willing to communicate. He's talking about giving. Do you agree Hebrew? It will be Greek in this case, and it's going to talk about giving. Ready to distribute. They said, rich people, don't be high-minded, don't thank you all that. Come on for some of that money. That's what your job is. Be ready to distribute, ready to communicate. Paul said at one time, I, I forgot who it was he was talking about, I think it was the Philippians. He said, nobody communicated with me concerning giving and receiving. But you guys sent money to me when I needed it. So the communicating is talking about your giving, talking about giving. He says, ready to distribute and willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. So he's talking, he says, when you distribute, when you communicate, you are laying up for yourselves a future blessing, a future reception. When you distribute, when you communicate, you're laying up for yourself down the road a harvest that they may take a hold of eternal life. Now let's, let's go on to this. I want to talk about the rich young ruler right now. It's something that uh, that a lot of people don't see the, and, and because of his selfishness that he missed out on. Would y'all say the rich young ruler qualified for stinginess? I say he would. He was stingy. Let's read the scripture. I'm going to read this from you and amplify a classic version because it says some things that the other versions don't. And we are in Matthew... 19, starting to verse 16. Matthew 19, starting to verse 16. I'm going to go over there in my Bible. Got to know what's happening and what this brother is about to miss out on. And I may go back and forth. Just bear with me reading this. This one gives a lot of extra info, but there are certain things in here you need to hear. And, uh, and no. Verse 16, it says, And behold, there came a man up to him saying, Teacher, what excellent and perfectly and essentially good deed must I do to possess eternal life? Verse 17, And he said unto him, Why do you ask me, about the perfectly and essentially good. There is only one who is good, perfectly and essentially, God. If you would enter into life, if you would enter into the life, you must continually keep the commandments. Verse 18, he said to him, what sort of commandments? Or which ones? And Jesus answered, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as you do yourself. The young man said, I have observed all these from my youth. What still do I lack? What still do I lack? Somebody say lack. What still do I lack? What does, what does lack mean? What is lack talking about? Not having, right? Something missing. What am I missing? Is the question he asked. Jesus, Jesus answered him, if you will be perfect, 
That is, have the spiritual maturity which accompanies self-sacrificing character. Jesus said there's some, some spiritual stuff missing from your money, homie. You got some spiritual stuff missing. You got a pocket full of money, but you got serious spiritual deficit. He says, uh, accompanies uh, sacrificing character. Go and sell what you have to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven, and come and be my disciple. But when the young man heard this, he went away grieved, in as much distress, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say unto you, it will be difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into uh, to go into the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly puzzled, astonished, bewildered, saying, Who then can be saved? Verse 26, But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but all things are possible with God. Then Peter answered him, saying, Behold, we have left all. Let me remind me to go back to that. Verse 27. A couple of things I want to point out here. The, bro- the brother comes up to Jesus. What, what I got to do to get saved? What I got to do to get this eternal life? Jesus said, Keep the commandments. He said, oh, I done done all the commandments. The brother said, What am I lacking? But also in the other verses of the Bible, Jesus said, One thing that I lack. Does it say that in your Bible? Yeah. Jesus told him, you, You're missing something. So Jesus tells him, he says, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. So when people read the scripture, a lot of people are like, ooh, that's harsh. <laughs> Sit in church, Jesus one of them preachers trying to get his money. But in the Bible, ain't say Jesus trying to get his money. It says Jesus trying to make up for something that he's missing. He said, one thing you lack, I'm trying to fill a hole where you're missing something. And he said, the key to the filling that hole is for you to, to do this act of giving. I'm going to fix you where you're broken. Another thing we miss out on this a lot of time is, if you read further in this version, it says that this brother, we don't, a lot, and I didn't know this for years, what was at stake, is that Jesus was inviting his brother to be one of the disciples. Do you hear what I said? We read about the disciples and all the things they did. In he, this extended invitation to this brother to be a disciple. That brother said, I'll pass on that. I'd rather have his money than be running around having doing exploits for God. I don't want my sweaty handkerchief to heal nobody. I'll pass on that. I don't want to see blind eyes open. I don't want to preach and see 5,000 saved. I'd rather keep my money. I'll pass on the whole disciple thing. Because Jesus, what you don't understand is I'm rich. I go where I want to go, do what I want to do. I'm rich, and I work hard at getting rich. So you talking about me giving? Oh no, I'm not about that giving. You know, give, I give him a little bit, but I'm not going to sell up everything and join you and your disciples. I don't see y'all having much. <laughs> not like me. But we just read the scripture that said, "Don't trust in uncertain riches." But that brother's faith was in his money. He couldn't put his faith in God yep. because his faith was in his money. Now the Bible says this, no man can serve two masters. Either he gonna hate the one and love the other, but you can't serve them both. No man can serve God and man. That brother was in love with his money. There's a song, rap song they made some time ago, Paul Wall and Chameleon I'm in love with my money. Who remembers that song? 
I'm in love with my money. See, the problem with money is, and Bible says, don't trust in uncertain riches. Money is so unpredictable and unfaithful. One minute, and as always, Jerry would have been here, I would have had him singing, but I have to do it this morning. One minute, money will say to you, sing to you, always and forever. I'll be with you. And the next minute, it'll start singing, I don't love you anymore. It's just that simple. But, I, but you just told me you're going to always be with me. Now, I don't love you no more. I'm going somewhere else. Drop me off at discount tire. Take me to Thunderbolt for a new transmission. Where they fix it right and guarantee it too. Or Pastor Ben, call the AC man. Not the milkman. Not the mailman. But I'm going with the AC man. Don't trust in uncertain riches. Money, money won't hang around. Listen, you listen. All it takes is for some kind of tax error, tax situation, a lawsuit, and the Bentley will turn into a Volkswagen. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. And in that moment when that thing happens, who do you have to turn back to? You have to go back to God. So if my faith is not in my money, my faith is in the Lord who gives me all things richly to enjoy. Paul said this. Paul said, I'm instructed both. Both to be hungry. Some people stop right there. The Lord said, we're supposed to be hungry. He don't want us to be blessed. You eating all these expensive meals at these expensive restaurants. And God wants us to be, you know, he wants us to be hungry. You're supposed to be willing to be hungry and suffer for God. <laughs> Paul said, I'm instructed to be hungry and to be full. Sometimes, if all we got is ramen noodles, praise the Lord. But when they put that big juicy steak in front of me, praise the Lord. It's a heart condition. That's how you can be in both, be comfortable in both places. It's a condition of your heart. Giving or stinginess is also a condition of your heart. Let's keep going. So this brother forfeited an opportunity to do exploits. He forfeited this endowment with the power of God. He forfeited the blessing. He forfeited the power to succeed. Now, I don't know if it's this same brother, but there's another account where it says that uh, this one brother said, hey, you know, he says, it says of the brother, the brother said to himself, he said, I'm going to take my goods I got so much, I'm so fat with goods. I'm fat, 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 fluffy, full. I got so much money, I'm in love with my money. I got so much money and my barns are wearing down, I'm going to tear them down and build me some more. And the Bible says of the dude, it said, Thou fool, for tonight thy life is required of thee. So the brother's just stacking up his money, keeping a hold of his money, afraid uh, that he's not going to have more money. And the Bible says to him, thou fool, today, you're not going to need the money tomorrow, chief. It's over for you today. And guess what? You can't, you can't take it with you. 
So I don't know if there was this guy, but this guy for sure passed up on an opportunity to be a disciple. Let's keep reading. What verse did I say, 27? Now, so, okay, now, so Jesus told him, Jesus, the next thing Jesus said was this. He said, how hard it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. It's the same way for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, it's a hard thing. Now watch this. What, what if, y'all remember what Peter said when Jesus said that? Don't make no sense. It's right there. We just read it. What did he, what, what did he say? He said, well, shoot, I mean, who, why would he say something like that? Rich people can't make it. Who, who, who can't make it then? Jews ain't never been broke. Peter and them wasn't broke. He had a situation with his fishing boat, but he understood that we, you know, we, we don't go around broke. We blessed all the way back from Abraham. Who, who can be saved? And Jesus told him this. Now, this is the point we're trying to get to. He said, with men, by yourself, you and your money, without God in the midst of it, you ain't going to make it. But with God, all things are possible. Yeah, hallelujah. It's impossible to be rich with God. I'm not talking about just fiction. I'm talking about have money in the bank and, and have a heart for God. That's possible. If you got a relationship with God, it's impossible for you to get to heaven and be rich. But if you're rich and no relationship with God, you ain't, you ain't making it. Because you're selfish. You're bound to your selfishness. Peter said, we all, we all, we all rolling, Lord. We don't know, we don't know broke like that. That's not, that's not the way, that's not the way we, we don't believe broke. We don't believe we're supposed to be broke. Who, who gonna get in? We, you know, we got to give up all our stuff? Let's go on and see what else they say. Now watch this. So Jesus, uh, start at verse 28. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, in the new age, hold on. Okay, verse 27. Peter answered him, saying, behold, we have left all and have become your disciples. He said, we did it. We left all and become your disciples and sided with your party and followed you. What then shall we receive? Jesus said to him, truly I say unto you that in the new age, the messianic rebirth of the world, the son of man shall sit on his throne in his glory. And you who have become my disciples, sided with my party and followed me, will also sit on the twelve thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. And anyone and everyone who has left houses or brothers, or sisters, or fathers, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive many, even a hundred times more, and inherit eternal life. But many who now are first will be last then, and many who are now, uh, many who now are last will be first then. So here again is another exchange. For their willingness to give up everything they had, there is this blessing of sitting on the twelve thrones. This blessing or this empowerment connected to generosity, connected to giving. Are we, are we establish a connection here? A, a pattern here? That when, when people are giving, there is a corresponding blessing on the other side of it. i got to hurry up. 
I'm going to break down some, we'll read some more scriptures. This is all, I'm, I'm not trying to be deep. I'm just trying to be basic this morning because you need to, you need to have all this in your little arsenal there. Now I want to talk about the principle of sowing and reaping and seed time and harvest. Galatians 6, 7, I'm going to ramble through some of these. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. There is a principle and a law of sowing and reaping. Genesis 8.22 says, and let's turn over there, Genesis 8.22. This is one you need to have. You need to have that one wrote down somewhere important. You need to have this one wrote down somewhere important. Because there's a law, a principle, a law of sowing and reaping. Genesis 8.22. This is stuff you have to get in your system. This is Christianity basics. If you don't, if you don't learn how to operate and trust and understand what giving does for you, you're never going to be walking a place with God that you need to, to walk in. You have to understand this. This has to be basic. This is basic to you as John three sixteen. Genesis eight twenty two. It says this, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. The law of seed time and harvest, the law of sowing and reaping. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold, do we still have cold and heat? Do we still have summer and winter? Then we still have seed time and harvest. Has anybody ate vegetables recently? You know, them vegetables ain't just come from a straight, solid vegetable. They came from a seed. Anybody look at themselves in the mirror lately? Anybody look at their kids lately? Do you know that you and your kids came from seed time and harvest time? Seed time, nine months later, here we got a harvest. As long as the earth remains, there shall be seed time and harvest time. It is a law. In the book of Genesis, when God started creating in the very beginning, he said everything, every herb and thing that he made, plant, whatever, fruit, whatever, he said the seed to reproduce was in itself. Even the people that he put in the garden, the seed was inside the people to reproduce. Seed, it is a spiritual law. Now just keep following me. I'm going to show you how strong a spiritual law is that even God trusts in this spiritual law. Stay with me. God uses this spiritual law. Gen- I mean, Luke six thirty eight. We are all familiar with this scripture. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall He cause men to give unto your bosom. All these scriptures should be basic for you because it's 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 clarifying, backing up, and uh, holding up this law of seed time and harvest and sowing and reaping. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall he cause men to give unto your bosom. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, starting in verse 1. We're just rattling out some scriptures. You need these scriptures. I, got, I, really, I really I thought y'all knew all this stuff, but you don't know it. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 says this. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Cast, throw, give, 
Throw the, this, he's describing what happens when you give. Throw it out on the water. Why does the, why would the bread come back? Because the waves are pushing back this way. You're throwing that way, but there's a force bringing back this way. Cast your bread upon the water so you shall find it after many days. Give a certain, now watch it, he's gonna clarify. Pastor, that's good poetic how you connected it together, but are they really talking about giving? Watch this. <laughs> Give a serving unto seven and also to eight. For you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. Now what is he talking about? Give a servant to seven, give a servant to eight. If the clouds, why do you think it rained? Because there gets enough moisture built up until it culminates in a rain event. So there is this collection of moisture. I've been giving, I've been sowing my, giving my tithes, sowing, giving this, that, and the other. Ain't nothing happened. You got to keep the moisture going up before the, before the cloud dropped the rain down. Don't stop giving. Keep going. And at a certain point, it's going to rain on your life. Keep going. Another poetic explanation, Pastor, but... If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind, now watch him going and talking about sowing and reaping, clarified, bringing on more, no more poeticness. He who observes the wind will not sow. That means that you keep talking about, I can't do it because of this. And it's not a good time because of that. And I wish I could give but this. And he who regards the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know, what is this way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb? He said, you don't know how this stuff happens. It's stuff that's bigger than you. Just do what I tell you to do. Or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that. Or whether they both shall be alike good. Don't hold on to it. You got to put it out there. Proverbs 18.16 says that a man's gift will make room for him and bring him into the presence of great men. You know, for a long time, even I preached this like this, and it is a piece of it. But when you look it up in the Hebrew, that word gift means present. Your present. What you bring. You bring, you bring your present. You bring the gift. Now, your, your present could also be something that you do well, but it specifically says the word present. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him in the presence of great men. Who don't like gifts? Ephesians 6, 8 says, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, talking about sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, knowing whatever good that anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Whatever good that you do for somebody else, God will make it happen for you because seed time and harvest is a law. Giving and receiving is a law. That's a good one right there. Now we'll get to the end of this. You have to observe this principle because when everything was on the line for God, he used this principle to straighten it all back out. Listen, the man Adam, the whole conversation. 
with the devil and his wife and him. The whole situation, I got all messed up and jacked up. God said, you know, I'm going to make this almost like that movie, The Jerk. I'm picking out a thermos for you. Not an ordinary thermos for you. But God, maybe singing to himself while he's making for the man. I bet he was happy because he loved the man. I'm going to make. Thank you, Lord. I'm making cross church for you. In fact, Floyd Smokehouse, I'm making it for you. You didn't ask me for it, but I'm making it for you. Thought I'd make something for you. I'm making this garden for you, and I'm going to give you a wife. You don't know I'm going to give you a wife yet, but I'm making this for you. I'm hooking you up, man. You ain't, matter of fact, you're not even here, man. But I'm working for you while you're not even here. You're not even here and I'm working for you. Listen, I got this over here for you. I'm going to make this light. The sun, I'm going to make the moon so you can have light. I got these fish over here. You want to get on there and go fishing? I got these animals over here. I got this garden. I got these delicious organic vegetables and fruits over here. I got none. GMA or gluten-free. I got whatever you want. I'm making it all for you. I'm making it all for you. Though you're not even here yet, I'm making it for you. And then God said, he formed the man out of the dust of the ground and blew breath of life in his nostrils. And when the man showed up, he had something already hooked up for him that the man didn't even have to ask him for. So he throw the man over in the garden and the man sees all the animals and the man was sitting there and the animals started coming up to the man and he said, you name him, I'm going to let you name him. Well, it's all right if I call him a bear. Yeah, just don't get too close to him. <laughs> Lion, you know, what do they call him? This is like a snake. Snake. Chicken. Cow. He's naming all animals. And the Bible says that Adam saw that everybody had somebody. But for him was found no suitable mate. Bob Holbrook learned that from him. He saw that everybody had somebody, but he didn't have nobody. Because God didn't want man to be alone. So in order to stimulate the hunger and to make him recognize the need, he allowed him to see that everybody had somebody except for him. So the Bible said it's not good that man should be alone. He didn't immediately make the woman, then they brought the animals. Hey, I need you to recognize that you need this woman. So all the animals, he named all the animals, and then God blessed him with a wife. And the garden was just moving along. It was all right. They running through the garden, no clothes on, naked, skipping through the garden. We got, you know, we don't have to pay for nothing. We go to get a pair off of this tree. We go fishing and eat. We just, you know, skipping through here. We don't got no bills. Ain't nobody cutting the lights off. We don't even need no air conditioning. It's just a, it's just a naked frenzy through the garden. <laughs> Set it up for him. So then Adam, understand God told him, he said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. I'm going to create people through y'all. This is my plan. I want to get people going. Not just about y'all too. I, I, my plan to get people going. So in the midst of this, here comes the devil and mess everything up. Everything up. God went through all took. Look, man, it took him seven days setting this whole thing up. And he told us the whole story about how he set it all up. 
Set the man and everything was good, and the man blew it up. Him and his wife, listening to the devil, blew up what God set up. So God says, hmm. well, God already knew the whole thing was going to happen anyway. God's like, I got I to gotta have a plan. I got to get the people back. Got to get them back in right standing. And the Bible says... In Hebrews 2, 9 and 10, when you read it to make sense of it, it says that God gave one son that he might get many sons. In order to redeem us back, God gave his son. God said, I want my kids back. So my plan, the thing that I'm going to use to get them back, is everything is lost. This is the worst it could be. The number one tool, if I can only use one thing to get them back, is going to be the law of sowing and reaping. Wow. I got to get the people back. He could have picked anything else. He said, I'm going to give one son that I can get back all my kids. Yeah. Well, Pastor, I mean, that sounds good. He's poetic. You're just so poetic this morning, Pastor. Where's John 3.16 at? Who got the John 3.16? Everybody know that one. Even all the people that go to Lakewood Church know that one. I'm not messing with Lakewood Church, but that's when you ask somebody, you go to church, y'all go to Lakewood. You know a scripture, John 3.16. Everybody know John 3.16. Well, what's it say in John 3.16? Ashley, you got it. Can you put it up there for me? For God so loved the world that he... Giving was God's plan to redeem the world. If the love of money is the root of all righteousness, root of all evil, then it stands to reason the pathway to righteousness is the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's plan to redeem mankind was through giving. There's no way that you can exemplify or demonstrate your love greater than when you give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only. He outdid the the woman with the mic, the widow woman with the mic. He outdid her. She gave money, but he gave his son, his only son. For God so loved the world that he Gave. Because giving is a condition of the heart. That's why it says that he loved, therefore he gave. Love is in the heart. Where a man's treasure is, his heart will be also. Where a man's heart is, his treasure will be also. God loved us so much that he did not keep to himself his most valuable possession. He didn't withhold that from us. Now, it should have been a million more folks in here, the rest of the congregation. I don't know where they're at this morning. They should have been in here to hear this. And because our habits still ain't right where it's concerned, they're not going to go back most of them and listen to the tape. Just be honest with you. That's where we're at. Honesty helps you get where you're supposed to be at. Now, this is a life-changing message this morning. But praise the Lord that you are here to, to hear it. You get this in your system. 
What does it do for you? Pastor, it makes us big givers? No, it fixes your heart the way God wants your heart to be. It makes the adjustment on your heart and you understand that, listen, because I love God, if I'm in a place to do it, if I'm in a position to do it, whatever I have, then I'm willing to, to do for God. Of your time, of your talent, and of your treasure. Not just your treasure, but everything you got. Amen. That's why you can you, you see mature saints. When somebody say, hey, listen, we got a building fund. We got this project going on. We need to do this or we need to do that. And they start stepping up. And I'm not talking about just the ones that got money. I'm talking about the ones that ain't got money. God, I want to give. And they come with a testimony. I told the Lord. Clutching the mic like this. Nervous. I told the Lord I wanted to give to the building fund. But I didn't, God knows I didn't have it. They ain't been giving me my hours at my job. And I wanted to give. So I said, well, God, I'm going to make some cakes and I'm going to sell some cakes and give it to the building fund. Steady twisting the microphone. <laughs> and I thought maybe I could make $30 or $50. But this man walked up. And he wanted this cake. And I could see that something was wrong with him. And I just went to ministering to him. The Holy Ghost gave me words for that man. And I started ministering to him. And man, I prayed for him right there on the spot. And he said he felt better. And he said, hold on. And he went back to his car. And he came back. And he wrote me a check for $1,000 for one cake. And praise the Lord, I got it right here for the building. See, that's, that's heart right there. That's desire, that's heart. I want to do that. So you learn it's not about you because what do we say? We live out of God's pockets, not ours. And she could have took that check and said, ooh, it's all a lot for this cake. I'm going to give the church a hundred. I said I want to give them a thousand, but I'm going to give them a hundred. And I'm going shopping with this money. <laughs> but that ain't the right heart. But see, this is what I want you to get right here. You act right with that thousand, and God will bring you a few more thousand so you can go shopping with that. Sometimes I ask God for money, and I ain't to give it to the church. I tell him, I need this money. I don't, matter of fact, I don't even need it. I just want it. God, I want this car. God, I want these boots. God, I want this, and God, I want that. Now, it ain't all the time, but when I want it, I want it. I don't buy cheap shoes. <laughs> don't believe I have to. Now, I don't go talking to God all the time about shoes, but I'm not buying cheap shoes. I'm trying to talk my wife out of it. <laughs> Keep telling her, stop going over there buying them shoes. She getting it now. Praise <laughs> God. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, you know, like I said, some stuff I'm, you know, what is this, $15 Walmart and $15 Walmart. I like it though. You know, most of my watches, this ain't no Walmart watch, but most of my watches $11 straight out of Walmart. But I look good in them, $11 Walmart watch. But I'm not going to buy no cheap shoes. <laughs> but I tell you what, when it comes time to, we need to, we got an initiative, something going on, I got to give to God. It's not about buying no shoes. It's about giving the money to God. Right. At that time. Now God buy me more shoes than I give him often. He does more for me than I do for him. That's the way it works. Matter of fact, he tells us, I do nine things for you. You just do ten, you know, do one thing for me. 
I do 90% for you, you do 10% for me. It's the way it works. Amen. 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 Okay, listen. So today, we got one more part in this series. We're going to finish next week.